Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Draft 412 Podcast. My name is Joe 412, and I will be your host for the next 30 minutes right before the Penguin game starts. And our other host is John Toth, our editor-in-chief. And JT, how are you doing this evening? Not too bad, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So are you guys ready to talk Pittsburgh Penguins hockey? Uh, again, before we begin... We want to thank our sponsor, Fanatics, this evening. And, of course, we want to welcome our guest, Dr. Steve Mancini. Steve is a guest columnist for Draft 412, a professor at Robert Morris University, and, of course, a hockey coach. Steve, welcome to Draft 412, and are you ready to go on the clock? Heck, yeah. Let's do this. Cool, cool, cool. Tell our listeners a little bit about you and give them a little bit of your background, especially your background on hockey. Sure. Well, I was born in a log cabin on a lake. No, no. So I'm a Pittsburgh guy. So Steve Mancini grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, obviously, I've been watching hockey and, you know, like every Pittsburgher, we started on the street with our uh, with our plastic bladed hockey sticks and orange balls that just feel great in the fall when they're frozen, when they hit you. Um, played hockey, you know, played, uh, played a bunch of tournaments, went north of the border for a bunch of tournaments, coached for... 20-something years, everything from uh, uh, travel hockey, high school varsity, uh, brief stint in the juniors, some junior college coaching. Uh, I've been I've been hockey since uh, since I can remember. Good, man. Well, thanks again for coming on tonight. We're going to talk Pittsburgh Penguins. So, JT and I were wondering, I mean, what are your thoughts on the first three games of the season here? And what did you like and what didn't you like? No, uh, it's... The funny thing is, so you recall I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, and I said uh, on Draft Four One Two, I encourage folks to go out there and check that article out. Um, always got to do a shameless self plug, Joe. Always. Um, but uh, no, what I said was that they're not a bad team. I like the fact that they're a different team, but I don't think they're a better team. And so now you've got three games to kind of—I don't want to say I'm vindicated because you could say, oh, you know, they, they beat Washington, you know, they they beat Calgary and. They looked pretty decent doing it. I get it. And they're going to have those moments. And, and that's the problem is when you're dealing with literally the oldest team in the NHL, when it's earlier in the season, everyone's got the fresh legs. Okay, got it. They have the talent, like I said in the article, to get into the playoffs. So what did I like? I like the fact that they're playing like a young team. And I do like that. They're they're more aggressive. They're playing a little quicker. I haven't seen what I call the egregious mistakes yet. Yes, you can watch game film and you can see the Latang pass or the Malkin thing that they do. It's just, it's just who they are and they're not going to change. But like I said in the article, the problem with that is, you know, McMalkin's got a lot of points to start the season. All right. And he's going to put up his usual 70, 80 points. To, there's no doubt in my mind, he's going to get 70, 80 points. But the problem is two things. One, as the season wears on, when he makes those mistakes, his recovery, you know, his, his ability to recover on them, he's going to lose it. He's going to lose that step as the season wears on because he, he's 37 years old. I mean, he's not a kid anymore. And, and there's a reason that every athlete starts looking at the next phase of their life in their late 30s of their professional career, if they've even managed to stay that long. So what I like about Malkin, he's off to a strong start. You know, he's playing young. What I don't like is he hasn't changed his style, and eventually that's going to start catching up as the season wears on. And so 
that's the one thing I don't like about the team that I'm seeing. They're still, they're playing like a young team. They're not a young team. You got a lot of new guys in this lineup that want to prove themselves. And when you want to prove yourself, you do have an extra jump. But once the grind of the season wears on, then you're going to see, was this offseason, you know, a, a good, you know, good pickups. And of course, I think they they got better because they've got rid of some negatives. But, um, you know, I'm watching the games. I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're, they're got a little hop to their step. They're, you know, they're doing some things right. The Chicago game, you know, that scared the crap out of me because I'm like watching this going, oh, is, is this – is this who they are? I don't think they're that bad. You and everybody like, else. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that's it was the like a repeat of last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're immediately picking up at the end of last season when they got bounced by them, and you're thinking, man, all those moves in the off season did it not make a difference? And and I think it did. And I think there are a lot of people that will tell you the chemistry doesn't matter. And I've been coaching hockey. I coached for at least 20 years, and I don't care what anyone tells you. As a coach. You can go to your little one or two week mini camp. You can watch some film and you can go, oh, I think this is my 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 A line, this is my B line, this is my C line, this is my D line, whatever, right? But then you throw them on the ice and they're gonna learn to feel each other out. You know, they're gonna they're gonna develop that chemistry. And sometimes it ain't gonna be there. You know, look how many, how many times have we made deadline trades to get, you know, um somebody up there, you know, Crosby needs a winger. So we go out and we get a guy, oh, it's going to work. And it doesn't work. And the guy's gone the next year, you know? So I don't, I didn't panic at Chicago at the same time. I didn't celebrate on Washington because I think those are both flukes. One's obviously a negative fluke. One's a positive fluke. But what I do like, they're playing young. What I don't like, they're playing young and they're not young. What I do like is goaltending. If Jari stays healthy, Nadelkovich is a good backup. I, I didn't think he was that bad before. I think he was on some bad teams. I think he's a good backup. And I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start getting a little more than just backup time if he keeps playing well, especially, let's be honest, Jari is not a full season into the playoffs without a bump. It's just, again, it's just who he is. I'm not against keeping him, but I like the insurance policy of, look, if he goes down, You've got a decent goalie that you can throw in there as a starting goalie. Is he a top yeah, I think 20? that's a reason that, that Dubas went out there and got him because he knew Nadelkovich was sort of wallowing in the mires of yeah. Detroit as they were ascending. But, you know, he went out and, and got him because he was a better number two than Casey DeSmith was, right? A 1,000% agree. So I like that. I like that from a, from a goaltending. I think if Jari can even if, – if Jari, even if he got hurt for a little bit, I will accept that because we've got a good backup goalie. And then they picked up, uh, I'm drawing a blank. The, the other guy they picked up, he, he's either down in the minors or, you know, but but the point is. Marcus Helberg. Thank you. Um, the point is, though, is if Jari goes out, you've got a decent guy that can fill in and you've got an okay backup. Like you're not, you don't have three solid goaltenders, but what you don't have is weak goaltending either. So I like that. I think goaltending is looking good. Defense. I I said it. I like Carlson. I think he's going to help on the power play. I think not having a team that desperately needs him to put up every point because they're that bad is going to be huge for him. I do think 
that, and I'm old fashioned. I think defensemen need to be defensemen first. And then your better defensemen are going to get the puck out of the zone and up the ice quicker. I think him and Latang do the second part better than the first part. Not that I think they're bad defensemen. Don't get me wrong. They're not, they're good defensemen, but I still don't see a defensive team that's going to win games three to two, two to one. They're going to have to put up points and not because I necessarily think the, 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 the goaltending is bad. I just think for some reason, the Penguins do not play well in their defensive zone. If they don't get the puck out quick, they get stuck in the zone. Tell me I'm wrong, Joe, because you have a look like I'm wrong on that one. It's okay. No, no, no. I mean, I, I look, I, I don't mind offensive defensemen, especially the way the Penguins play. Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a dance when you've got two future Hall of Fame offensive defensemen playing for you, one of which just won a, a Norris Trophy uh, last year. And it's hard to put reins on them. It's easy to take them off, uh, you know, but does that get you a Stanley Cup? You know, it might get you back into the playoffs, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. So I don't I'm not disagreeing. I just think the Penguins style has been since 1983. <laughs> you know, straightforward five four six five <laughs> you know it doesn't damn the defense I full agree. speed ahead kind of thing and I, it just hasn't changed and and i you know i, I don't think it did i mean when they traded for him they knew what they were getting you know he's not a um he's not a stay-at-home guy um and you know i i don't expect the those colors to change uh, on a guy that's in his early 30s who plays as well offensively as he does. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, no, I just don't think the team's offensive I agree philosophy with you. is going to change. But then who is? But 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 I would ask. I would come back with two questions. And one, who is your stay-at-home defenseman? Because you got to have one. Ryan who Graves. Your, right. Probably. Maybe Pedersen. Sure. Um, but at the same time, the Penguins aren't that team that can put up six goals or five goals a game. That. To me, that's the real issue. I, to your point, I don't mind. If you want to have defensemen that are constantly joining the rush and they're going out there and you're keeping the pressure on, I don't mind that. The problem is, is they keep the Penguins keep relying on the same players. And, and I'll give you a good example. In the offseason, you hear a lot of talk like, ah, oh, we've got to get these guys another cup. We've got to, we've got to build around this core. And I think the problem is it is not the core that you think it is. Crosby is not the same player he was 10 years ago or even five years ago. And certainly Malkin is not. So who is the core? Who is your superstar? Everybody's like, oh, it's Crosby Malkin. Yeah, they're, they're, I get it. They're going to get 70, 80 points. I get it. But there's a lot of teams that have guys that get 70, 80 points, but they usually have a bunch of other guys doing 30, 40 points. The problem with the Penguins is, they do not have anybody that can compensate if their stars are not playing well. And when I say stars, and I do throw in, um, you know, I throw in Gensel in that mix. I throw in Rust in that mix because I think those guys should be goal scorers. Look at the lines they're on. They should be 30 goal scorers a year. I don't expect Crosby, believe it or not, to score 30 goals. I'm okay if Crosby has 55 assists and 20 goals. I'm actually okay with that because that means his wingers are scoring and it's not all him having to do everything. What I don't want to see is, you know, 
Malkin has to put up 50 goal or you know 40 50 goals. If he does, again, <laughs> give praise. Um, but I don't <laughs> want to rely on Crosby and Malkin to have to be the 40 goal scorers. I I'm I, I don't think Malkin is going to do it. I mean, he's you know he's got some he's off to a decent start, but this is this is Malkin. He's got six points in three games. Okay, and he, oh, he's averaging two points a game now. If he doesn't score for three, get a single point in the next three games, he's still averaging a point a game. Is that the same as a person that goes out and gets you a point a game? I don't think it is. And I think that's the problem with that core that we're talking about. They'll look good at the final stats, but it won't be consistent. And that's their problem. And Steve, building off a of question one, what, what is your – overall expectations of this team i mean you see him i only see him three games but right. what, what do you, how do you feel do you think this team has a little bit more of potential than what maybe you thought in the preseason and the offseason just seeing what what some of these new acquisitions can do i mean we already mentioned carlson who he's doing th he's doing things that i haven't seen since paul coffee he can skate the length of the ice basically and get a shot off and and i He's very. I like Riley very, Smith's off to a good start too. I, I I like what he's doing. I like Ray. I I to my to your point. I said it in the article. I'll say it again. I think they're getting into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be a top pick. I think they're going to be a seven or eight seed. Not again. Not because I think the Penguins are a bad team. By the way, for the record, I'm a Penguins fan, so I'm not. I'm not being critical out of negativity. I'm being. I'm just being. I'm just trying to be realistic. Watching the team, seeing the roster, and going, "Look, it's the oldest roster in the team." I don't care. Being objective, it's okay. It's all right. right. That's what we're here for, right? The yeah. oldest roster in the team means something, you know. It, 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 it. What I didn't understand, and and to your point, JT, to get to your question really quickly, though, is seventh or eighth. They're getting into the playoffs. They might win the first round. Depends who they play. I think they're probably getting bounced in the second round just because I think a lot of these other factors are going to wear on them. But I want to throw something else to think about. You've got the oldest roster in the league, all right? You're bringing, you know, you, I saw Jeff Carter on the ice. I like Jeff Carter. But isn't this the time that you maybe think about bringing up? Even if you know the guy might not be as what I'll call hockey smart as Jeff Carter, isn't this, though, where you bring up a 21 or 22-year-old rookie? Even if you don't think he's quite ready, just for the legs and the endurance, do you start bringing up one or two young guys that might not be ready just because look what you're replacing in the lineup with them? I would I would even do one better. I think that Dubis went out and signed a half dozen or more NHL quality guys that could play third, fourth line time in a quad A capacity where they're going to sub in for two, three games and give these guys a break and rotate right. them. He did. He went out and spent, you know, league minimum on, on many of these guys, but gave them a second chance. Other guys, a first chance, uh, stacked them in Wilkes-Barre, could use them as trade chips later. These are guys that could play in the league right, right now, but it g gave them a chance to kind of sit and come in. And I think that over the course of an 82-game season, I think we're going to see him rotate – some of these guys in and give them their ice time. Uh, Cause you're right. I mean, Carter's not playing third line center anymore, right? He's fourth line wing, third line wing. I mean, he yeah. just, he doesn't have it and he's not going to last an 82 game season. So, you know, I, I think Dubas, he spent some of that money he had uh, with the, you know, the, the, the trades that he had made to free up some of that cap space. 
Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it, that may pay off. Like not all these guys are going to be hits. Right. I think some of them uh, have a chance to be starters in this league or could step up when there's injuries. And I think, I think he expects injuries. Right. And so, you know, I, I think that's something that, you know, will, you know, 82 game violent game season, you're going to see those, especially as you've said a couple of times now, you know, uh, oldest roster in the league, but take age out of it for a second. Um, I'm curious to see what you think the team's weaknesses are. I mean, it sounds to me like we're all in agreement that they, they get back into the playoffs, maybe break a first round push. You know, I don't think this is the final roster they go into the playoffs with anyway. I, I agree with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like what, what do you outside of age, which we all can well, just say, yes, we're check Mark. What's the weakness that holds them back? I think they're a little bit of a stale team. I, I think that I don't see them playing different. And I almost think this is a coaching issue. Believe me, I, I think Solomon's a great coach, but I do think he is stuck in his ways. He is not making adjustments. You can't leave the age out as a coach, because you have to factor that in. If you're trying to play a run and gun game, you got to have guys that can run and gun. And if you don't, then maybe you go to a one, three, one or something, you know, it's a kind of a, you know, just, just a dump and chase trap and, and throw, or throw one four checker in and something, you know, hard, a, a lock, something, but you got to do something different to keep the offensives, you know, keep, keep them in the offensive zone longer because right now, just what I when I look at the roster, and I'm peeking in this screen, that's why I keep doing this. Um, when I look at the roster, I'm going, who are my four checkers that I'm expecting to cause disruptions in, you know, the offensive zone? When I'm, when I, if I want to, if I dump it deep, all right, let's even go on a power play. We dump it deep. We, we get up to the, across the red line. You know, we decide, hey, we're going to throw it. We're going to throw a little chip and chase game. We're going we're to just go dump it. Who's on that roster? that's got the real wheels that's going to be in there to force the place into the offensive zone. And I'm looking at, I'm going, I, I don't know. I mean, okay. So if we don't have speed, should we play a different game then? And there are games you can play without speed. I don't think Vegas is that fast. Or maybe I'm crazy. I think Vegas is a very good team. They're a very strong team, big hitting team, but they didn't win. In my opinion, they didn't necessarily win the cup because they were a super fast team. They won it because they had a style that worked for the composition of the team. Yeah, they were I very mean, defensively oriented, and you're right. right. I mean, I think the Penguins have some guys that I would categorize as four checkers. Maybe Nolachari, Matt Nieto has some wheels. Uh, you know, Brian Rust is, you know, he's he's going to be counted on to score and less four checking, but he right. used to be. A four checker is in a different role now with the, with the Penguins, but you're you're right. It's not it's not the fast water bug guys that we had coming up from the minors when we were winning the cups, you That's know. Right. And you know, we were and all Vegas about that those guys that came up and where they came out of. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you know, and and you know, you look at Vegas and and Vegas won by by you know it wasn't on their goaltender. It was because of the way that they played defense. Uh, and like you said, if, if 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 the style is playing defense with offensive possession, keeping the team out of even though you're not going to score five goals just keep them out of your uh, keep them out of your zone so they can't score five goals maybe that's the way they've got to adapt i mean it's so it's a fair point one that 
Solomon's not going to listen to. No. <laughs> but that's a fair point, right? <laughs> no, I, and I think the reality is, is it's, and I hate this because, you know, it wasn't that many years ago that they won the cup. But when you look at the last time they won the cup every year in the playoffs, with the exception of last year, they didn't make the playoffs. There, it was, it was either, you know, it was always an injury. They couldn't score. They run into the hot gold. It was always something. And it never seemed like after game one or two, when you realize like a couple of years when they played the Rangers and they didn't play bad. And, they, and it was just lights out goaltending for the Rangers. And I, and I think it was about, was that two, I think it was two seasons ago. You know, they didn't play, but they, they couldn't score. It's like, okay. So now you're going against the hot goalie. What do you do? I mean, how, how, they're, obviously the team didn't go undefeated, so people could beat them. They didn't win the cup. So obviously there is a formula for beating every team out there. You just have to adjust your strategy for it. Because I think, in, in, in my opinion, again, my opinion, um, I don't think it's talent that wins cups necessarily. I think it's having the right players at the right system at the right time. Because well, there's no doubt you're right on yeah. that, or else, or else Edmonton would have won the last three. Or, or Toronto. Yeah, You look at Connor McDavid and, and, and Dreisler, it's like, oh my God, these guys are racking up the regular season points and they don't even do bad in the playoffs. It's not like they're choking in the playoffs, but why don't they win the cup? Because it takes more than just two guys lighting it up. And I think, the, like I said, when you say, what can the Pens do different? You've got to accept you don't even have that. You don't even have two guys that can light it up. You're not playing a defensive-minded game. So you don't have people that can light it up anymore. You don't have a strong defensive you know, team that, that keeps you out of the zone, trapping traps, keeps dumping and playing. So what so what is your style, Solly? Because you don't have the you don't have the team that wants to play a hard four check. And like you said, let's go, let's go beat them five to four. I'd be okay with that. If I saw three guys on this roster and I saw depth down to the third line and every line had an absolute speed throw and I'd say, go play that style. It works. I don't see that. So to, to your point, Joe, JT, I don't even know what their style is, to be honest with you. I don't know what, what the, what they're trying to do with this roster. I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you see anything on this team? And this is what me and Joe talked about this last week. Um, they're up against the cap pretty much, pretty close. Um, yeah. we, were even talk, we were even talking about um, trade chips. Um, we really don't have much to trade. Our first-round pick's already been dealt. Um, I, don't, I don't think they want to give up on um, Jaeger or, or Pink or anything down there. Um, do you think that this team can make a move later in the year? I mean, they always make moves during the deadline, but do you think this team – where could they trade from in your mind? Do they trade against all, or, or – I mean – what, what do they do if they want to improve this team right now? Or do you think he's basically got to do what he's been doing, just signing these veteran free agents? And he made a trade today for a um, couple one, – one guy, Jack Rathbone, was a, a pretty good prospect a couple years ago with the Canucks. He's still young. So he's seems like he's he's got a plan. He's, he's getting players in here. We've got more depth, like Joe said before. we got more depth in the uh, organization down at Wilkes-Barre I think we've had in the last 10 years. But – um. What do you think? If it comes down to an injury like the Jari, how do we how do we fix that? Like a long a long term injury to somebody, how do the Penguins go about um making a move? In your opinion, so there is the sixty four thousand dollar question. All of your superstars, and let's be honest again, Joe. I'm sorry, I got to go there. They're older, costly, and no one's going to want to give up anything decent for them. And 
if you're trying to make a push into the playoffs, unless one of your superstars is absolutely having the worst season ever, you're not giving them up. You're not going to trade a Malkin or a Tang. You're not going to trade a Carlson. You just picked them up to get you into the playoffs. You can't trade Gensel because he's your future. Because let's be honest, what does this roster look like in three years? Two years. These guys are 37 years old. You know? So to your point, I don't think they have the chips without. And, I, and this is one thing I do like to your point with Dubas is doing. I like him getting guys that are not. They were drafted maybe a few years ago. They didn't quite work out right away, but they're still young. I like that. Throw them into your minor leagues. You never know. Sometimes guys just take a little longer to develop. Maybe someone else needs looking for some prospects. At least you have something. I think what they don't have is a decent, what I'll call, uh, like, 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 like a decent mid-name that they could trade away. For somebody, because the people that are decent mid names, you just picked up at the beginning of the season to try and rebuild your team. So you either got aging veterans, some decent, you know, 29, 30, 31 year old guys that you just picked up to build up your third, fourth line, or some young, call them prospects or guys that didn't quite work out first go around, but are still young. So when I look at those options, it's tough. I don't know that they have much to give up a trade deadline. If Jari gets hurt, I think they're going, Nadelkovich, you're it, and they're calling a guy up from the minors because you already went through this in the offseason. Yeah, I'm not even sure that they can – I mean, this. they're not going to trade Pickering and they're not going to trade right. Jaeger. Those guys are there. I mean, Poulin maybe. Uh, you know, he's had some issues, and P.O. Joseph might interest some folks, but – these are guys that are not going to fetch a lot back. You might get a, a rental, uh, and maybe that's something they're interested in at the deadline. Who, who knows? But look, Steve, I, I know we've been this, twenty-five minutes goes by quick, and I know <laughs> that we, we got the game starting here. I wanted to address one more thing before we let you go, sure. uh, because you did write a heck of an article. It, it got almost six hundred views on our site in within a week, uh, and that was an article article about Robert Morris University's. Uh, return to D1 hockey for both men and women. Um, I know you're embedded in that community. You teach at that community. You've coached in, within that community. Um, what are your expectations for that team as they start back? I know it's year one, uh, but just out of curiosity, where do you where do you place them? And you know, where do you see them going here in the next uh, 12 to 24 months? So great question. They have a very interesting dilemma going on because they have a bunch of graduate players that are based in their last year of eligibility and a bunch of freshmen and one or two smatterings in between. This year, to me, this year for them is trying to regain respectability because you're trying to entice your next draft prospects. You know, college hockey drafts them just like, you know, very similar to the pros. They go out, they look for kids, they sign them, they recruit, and they you know, and, and they bring them in. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a respectable program. People say, I want to play for them. It's a decent team, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What do I think they're going to be at? I think because they brought in some decent veterans that are older. And uh, I did, I definitely, you saw in the article, they brought up one kid come right up, uh, one freshman who I'm really excited to see this kid. But um, I think they're a middle of the pack team. And I think that's okay. I don't want to see that team, you know, go two and 18 and I don't think they will I see them as like a 500 club maybe below 500 maybe above 500 
And I'm okay with that. Yeah, get back to respectability says, in year one. Exactly. Because that says now when someone's now when they're going out and drafting people to say, we just put this team back, first year back, we were 500. We've got a bunch of freshmen moving up to sophomore. We're, we're you know, sophomore. We're immediately, you know, within a year, two or three, we're, we're going to be very quickly back to where we were. This program does a good job of creating a good program, it, but it doesn't happen overnight. So I, I think they need these couple of seasons to get back there. I think they're a 500 club plus or minus right now, just because of the senior people that they have, not only senior, but senior experienced college players that they brought into this roster. And they also got a lot of young guys. Doesn't look well, too similar from a team we were just talking about. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's almost echoing the same sentiments. But, Steve, before we let you go off the clock, let everyone know how they can find you one last time. Awesome. So, uh, obviously, I, my articles are out there on Draft 412. And uh, if you really want to get a hold of me, reach out to Joe and the team at Draft 412. I'm out there on LinkedIn. I'm out there on Facebook. And uh, I've got a couple of websites. I do a couple of radio shows, one called Italian Impact Weekly with my friend Claudio Riosono. I do another one with Claudio called Talking Business and Life, and you can check those out at crsmmedia.com. But again, because we're on Draft 412, I'm going to send you the Draft 412. Appreciate the time, Joe, JT. Appreciate it, fellas. I hope to do this again very soon. Dr. Steve, thank you very much for being thank you so on the much, show. Thanks, yeah, guys. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Fanatics, uh, you know, again tonight. And remember, while Draft 412 might be off the air, we're always on the clock for you. Thanks again, Steve. Thank thanks, you. Guys.